It's Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's the call-in line. You can call in and talk about anything you want. Of course, it's Wednesday, which means She Talk Live, and I've, I've got to tell you, first we came for your radio stations, then we came for your... I don't know what Joe Rogan is talking about, but evidently, you know, he's he's threatened by the, the, the trannies out there and the women out there, and they're coming to steal his voice, like like in the Buffy the Vampire episode. I, I don't know what he's thinking, because I haven't read the article, but Joe Rogan evidently thinks that woke culture is coming for the cis-hetero white men. Perfect. Yes, exactly. This is on popculture.com says Joe Rogan slammed for suggesting straight white men will soon be silenced. It's by Allison Schnotner, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, Let's go. Joe Rogan is facing backlash after he suggested that woke culture will soon lead to the silencing of straight white men. Rogan made the controversial remarks. Uh, Hold on. I'm not sure that that's even remotely true. Aren't isn't most most of Antifa comprised of straight cis white dudes? I have no idea who they're composed of. Uh, every picture I've seen of Antifa out there doing something, it's almost predominantly, I, I would say 90% cis white dudes. Are That's the, pretty true. Are they the ones with like the uh, Confederate flags and stuff? That no, they they're the around? ones with the, um, with Unless the they cover their faces. red and black commie masks. Oh, yeah. Those guys. Okay. They're cis white men as well, Joe. Do they not count? Maybe they don't. Maybe he's not even thinking about them. I don't know says that uh, Rogan made the controversial remarks on the latest episode of his Spotify podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, during which he had a conversation with guest Joe List about how he believes woke culture has changed comedy. Speaking to List, Rogan said he has concerns about not being allowed to talk to due to his privilege. Rogan said, you can never be woke enough. That's the problem. It keeps going, explaining that it keeps going further and further and further down the line. The podcaster said... If you get to the point where you ca- catapult, cap- well, no, it's not capitulate. Cat- yes, thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> where you agree to all these demands, it'll eventually get to straight white men are not allowed to talk because it's your privilege to express yourself when other people of color have been silenced throughout history. Rogan went on to state that people would no longer be able to go outside because so many people were imprisoned in the past and said he was not joking and it really will get there when Liz began to laugh. Joe Rogan is, like, the number one person I hear about all the time. Like, I don't know what he thinks he's being silenced about. Like, I hear about him all the time. Yeah, I I have no idea either. He's got a very (laughs) popular show. I I don't know how much of a libertarian he is, but he's at least Mm libertarian-leaning, especially on the drug war and stuff like that. But he's also kind of... Kind of out there and a bit kooky. Not, there are he has done some questionable things on his show. Not quite to the level of like Alex Jones, but as far as experts on how the world actually works, Joe Rogan wouldn't be in my top ten. Am I right that Joe Rogan is the one who smoked pot with Elon Musk yes. on, on his show? Yeah, yeah, and there was like a big stink about it. Well, because Elon Musk's company fires people if they fail drug tests for pot. Oh, I didn't know that. I think that was the issue that people had with this. He's sitting there smoking pot while his company fires people for smoking pot. That is super hypocritical. But what do you expect from someone like Elon Musk? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't care. No. I had an ex-boyfriend that said he was going to try Elon Musk. I mean, not Elon Musk. Uh, Joe Rogan's carnivore diet where they were he was only eating meat. And he was like, I lost so much weight and I've never felt better in my life. I was like, you're going to die. And that's disgusting. Is that the keto thing? No, it's just only eating meat and nothing else. In keto, you just can't eat like 
What is it? Carbs? So you can't eat like bread and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, it's a low carb diet. Yeah. I, I, I eat whatever I want whenever I want. So I, <laughs> I can't relate to any of these diets. I mean, it's really simple. And, you know, stay active. That's exactly right. I did a shred starting on the 28th of March. And it was just basically eat real food. Don't go into the middle aisles of the grocery store. And don't drink. Go into the middle aisles of the grocery store. And don't drink alcohol. And I've lost 20 pounds. Wow. Nice. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thanks. But Joe Rogan, I like him. I, I want to like him because he's a huge proponent of psychedelics, which I think, you know, are going to lift humanity into a better future if mm-hmm. we allow them to. But at the same time, he does say stuff like this that kind of makes it hard to listen to him because he he's not wrong. You know, the liberal left does have a thing against the straight, cis, heterosexual, male, whatever. But that's because the state, straight, cis, heterosexual male historically has done the things that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. They, they did silence minorities. They did oppress people. People living now are responsible for that. But I understand why the oppressed people have a difficult time making that distinction. I think it's silly that he's um, trying to, you know, protect his identity as a white male when there are people who are actually be- being targeted just because they call themselves libertarian. You know, I think it's less important to um, care about, like, I don't care at all that I'm white. I forget that I'm white all the time, you know, but like, I could actually be targeted by the government from for calling myself libertarian. Well, this sort of focusing on characteristics thing, it's very popular these days. And as far as I can tell, it's just a participation trophy for life. It's for people who haven't accomplished anything, haven't done anything to be proud of, So they take pride in their skin color, their sexual orientation or whatever, or the fact that they're trans or cis or whatever. They hold that up and say, look at me. I'm special because I'm this. I was like, okay, but what have you done? Your characteristics don't define you. What you do defines you. But too many people allow their characteristics to define them because they have nothing else going for them. Joe Rogan has a lot going for him. I never thought about it like that, but you have a really good point. Thanks. Yeah. I've been talking about that one for a few years because it frustrates me. If people ask, you know, what are you? Trans wouldn't be the first. I mean, it would now because, you know, it made headlines. Yep. But trans generally isn't how I, I would identify myself. I'd say, well, I'm a talk show host. I'm an IT person. I'm a musician. I'm a writer. That, that would be how I describe myself. But for most people, they would go, I'm a, I'm a trans non-binary queer or whatever. Okay. It's like, okay, that, that tells me way more about your sex life than I wanted to know. But tell me about you as a person. And yep. they have nothing else to go on. So they just stick with that. Mm-hmm. It's failure to develop a personality or any interest or any anything worth bragging about. It's sad. Let's go on with the article. It says uh, his remarks quickly sparked discussion and controversy online, where many cast doubt that Rogan has to worry about <clears throat> being silent when his podcast had, has 11 million listeners per episode. Holy crap. 11 million <laughs> per episode. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, what is he even worried about? And I don't think that he has held back on any of his podcast on anything that he has said. Yeah, he's been coming out against the maybe not against the masks. I, I haven't I don't know any exact quotes, but he's been like kind of critical of the lockdowns for perspective on that. Uh, Free Talk Live as a show averages between 200 and 350 downloads, thousand downloads per month for Holy the podcast. God. Well, that's just from SoundCloud. I don't know how many different sources that aggregates and it doesn't include people watching the videos and all of that. So. I don't know how exact those numbers are, but on SoundCloud, it's two hundred to three hundred fifty thousand dollars listens per month. Okay, that's a big and difference. He's at eleven, 11 million, million per episode. episode. I don't know how frequent his episodes are. Free Talk Live, of course, is available every day. I don't know. Does he have a daily show? 
I, I would Maybe imagine weekly? not. It's probably easier to get to, well, it's not going to be easy to get to 11 million listeners anyway, but it's probably easier to get to 11 million listeners a week than it, would, it be, would be per day. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's by default true. I don't even know why I bothered to point it out. This says that was according to The Independent, and he always has a Spotify deal estimated to be worth over $100 million. One person tweeted, someone tell Joe Rogan he got a $100 million podcast deal. He's doing just fine unless he lost his pen. Another person tweeted, Joe Rogan on his international podcast, are straight white men being silenced, pointing out the contradiction of his words. That, that's an excellent point. He, he's speaking to 11 million people, give or take, because we don't know who else is listening to his right. podcast, that overhearing it in the office or whatever. Internationally listened to 11 million people per episode, and he's on there complaining about being silenced. No one can hear me speak. Clearly says, reacting to the remarks, another Twitter user slammed Rogan, writing, sharing space is not the same as being silenced. You, The Nation journalist Ellie Mistel asked, can Rogan point to the one day in American history where straight white men were sh- told to shut the up? I, I doubt it. <laughs> There's but, not mean, one. Regarding the sharing space comment, uh, people listening to other shows aren't necessarily detracting from Joe Rogan's listeners. It's probably two very different audience. So Absolutely. It's, it's not even sharing space. It's just everyone having space. Mm-hmm. What do you think? 603-283-6160. It's She Talk Live tonight because with you in the studio, it's Aria. Angie and Bonnie. And I've got to say, I was a bit surprised about two o'clock this afternoon when my boss suddenly screamed across the store, Aria, Bitcoin's under 40,000, because she knows I can't just watch these things at the moment and that I'm st- I still have a highly vested interest in cryptocurrency and what, you know, what it's doing and what, even though I can't do anything about it, right. st- I still want to know, you know, which I think is natural. So she shouted that out across the store, and I had no idea what was going on. So that seemed strange to me, considering that yesterday she was like, it crashed to 48,000. I was like, well, that's not really a crash, but right. okay, let's but- let's go with that. But evidently, China has done something, and that has caused the value of Bitcoin, as you saw earlier, fall below $30,000 per coin. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that went uh, just a, like, 29 and some change. 29? Oh my God. For like a brief little bit. I didn't see that. That's crazy. That's kind of scary. Sounds like Bitcoin is on sale. But before we get into that story about China, let's go to the phones. We've got Scott the Bigot calling from Florida. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, ladies. How are you? Good. How about hey, what's you? What's on your mind tonight? Good. Uh, I'd like to talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, Oh, this is going to be promising. As an American Jew, I can honestly say that the Zionists in Israel would not be under siege today if they had treated the downtrodden Palestinians with dignity and respect, which they have not. For once, I agree with you, Scott. Holy crap. Yes, you do. You know, the irony, ladies, is that the Jews were slaughtered in the Holocaust. And if any race of people on this planet should be sensitive to the civil rights and suffering of a persecuted people, it should be the Jews. But furthermore, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, or APAC, it wields enormous power in the United States, and the Jewish lobby as well, in general, and they demand that our congressmen and senators vote for Israel every time, or else be voted out of office. 
In other words, American Jewry intimidates our elected officials and have forced this lopsided Zionist policy, well, if you will. Hold on, Scott, because you moved the target Zionist. to something that I, I, I would shoot at you with, to something that I won't. It's not an American Jewry that's doing this. It's APAC, which is a very, 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 very small subset of the American Jewish population. But very powerful. Yes, but it's still not all American Jews or anything like that. It's like, I don't know, maybe 30 to 40 of them. I don't know what APAC's membership is. Yeah, but but our congressmen and senators are intimidated by them, and the and the reason why they're intimidated is if they vote against Israel, a they're going to be voted. APAC will see that they're voted out of office. And but B, why is that? They, why does APAC have that power over them? I'll APAC doesn't. Why. why does APAC have that power over the American voter? Because it's because of Christians. Because no, because yeah, it is. of the po- overall power of Jews in the United States collectively. I've been thinking, but, but they don't represent enough of the population to vote anyone out of office, Scott. Well, but you know who does? The American right wing Christian has enough power to vote people out of office. And if you don't support Israel, that's the number one sin for the American right wing Christian. That, that is true. That is true. But also, they're afraid that they'll get stigmatized as being an anti Semite and they'll just be run out of office on a rail. That's their fear. So they always march in lockstep with APAC. And that, that, that what's sad about that is that our boys have to go over and fight if there's a war. We already have lost, I don't know how many thousand in Iraq and Afghanistan. Do they have to? They don't have to. It's the right-wing welfare. That's a good point. I mean, they could go AWOL, or they could just not Get enlist. Get a real job. Yeah. Not be, yeah. I wish they would go AWOL. I'm going to tell you, you made a good point. Wouldn't it be marvelous if they're the next future war, everyone report, every officer in the military, armed forces, refused to fight? Uh, then that would be the end of, there would be mutiny, but that would be the end of the war. They, 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 they're giving their marching orders, these stupid wars that don't achieve anything, and we lose trillions in treasure, and we lose thousands of American soldiers. I mean, we almost had that during World War One when all along the trenches, Amer- group, uh, troops from one side of the war met and celebrated with troops from the other side of the war. Wow. The reason the generals refused to allow them to ever, like the command came down from the very tops, so you can never allow this to happen again, was that these soldiers, if they kept seeing the humanity in each other, they would stop firing and they would just go back home and tell the politicians, hey, no, we're not doing this anymore. We came really close that day to ending war. I don't think anything like that is ever going to happen again. But you asked a question, and, and I'm going to answer it. Jewish influence, there's 6 million Jews in the United States. If I do my math correctly, 330, that comes out to 2% of the U.S. population. How can 2% wield such power over the United States? Well, I'll tell you how. From Wall Street to the Federal Reserve to the media to Hollywood to Washington, D.C., to Las Vegas to APAC, Jews wield enormous power in this country, and unfortunately, when we go to war in the Middle East, they tell our congressmen and senators, they give them their marching orders, and that's what they do. Well, plenty of groups uh, in the United States wield enormous power. The LGBTQ lobby in the United States is one of the most powerful, disproportionately powerful lobbies in the United States. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, but I'm just talking 
about uh, about about the Jews. Well, I think Arya gave uh, a perfectly valid answer that it has a lot to do with the Christians because I was thinking about that today. Like my parents, they're uh, you know like white Christian people, and they're all about Israel. In fact, my mom like found out we're like I don't know some percent Jew, and she like really cared about that when we were kids. And it's just like because. Christians believe that Jews are the chosen people and they want to be God's chosen people. Can you people. imagine worshiping a God that didn't choose you as its chosen people? I've never understood that about Christianity. But in Christianity, yes, the Jews are the chosen people of God. And every, there's the Jews, the chosen people, and then everyone else is a Gentile. Why would you worship a God to whom you're a second-class citizen, first of all? But I think that's entirely the point. I mean, I think that's entirely the issue because I think about my grandmother and my uncle and all of my family, my right-wing Christian family— down there in the south who no matter what israel says or does they're going to stand beside israel because they believe that you know they're the chosen people and that anything they do is automatically endorsed by god or that god has their back or whatever and they don't want to be on god's bad side so even if it's bombing palestinians yes and oppressing them and kicking them out of the homes that their families have held for generations or refusing to allow them to rebuild redistricting all of the Palestinians out of the Gaza Strip or whatever must, monstrous thing they're doing at the moment. Maybe they are afraid, but when they choose that because they're second-class citizens, maybe they are afraid of what's coming after life, like what happens when they die. And so they they think that what they, what's going to happen is they're going to go to this grand place and they're going to be treated and, and you know have this wonderful afterlife. And so they choose to worship this because they're just afraid. They don't know what's going to happen and they don't know what else to do. I do know that there are some people like that. My sister is one of them. Mm-hmm. She continues to be a believer in in a God, but it's because she's terrified of the, of the afterlife, mm-hmm. of mortality, the fact that she's going to die one day. She can't handle that. She wants to believe that somehow she's going to continue existing, and religion provides that outlet to people. Exactly. Especially Christianity, but Christian Christianity provides this whole weird side of it where, okay, you have to do these things or you're going to be tortured for all eternity. Yes. As far as I can tell, that's unique to the Judeo-Christian mythology. The whole torturous afterlife. Because in Greek mythology, you think, oh, Hades, it sounds awful, but it wasn't all awful. It was just the afterlife. You right? could, like, leave sometimes. 603-283-6160 if you want to join the conversation. Scott, so much, thank you so much for tonight for the call. It wasn't full-on bigotry. I'm impressed. A newly recruited search and rescue officer, Marshall Hunter was resigned to a life of rescuing wayward spacefarers and derelict satellites. But when a billionaire couple goes missing, his own ship is disabled during the rescue. With communication satellites suddenly failing and lunar mineral shipments disappearing in transit, the crew suspects it's more than a coincidence, and Hunter must choose between salvation and sacrifice to save his crewmates and their civilian charges. Frontier by Patrick Childs and BingBooks.com It's Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's the call-in line. You can call in and talk about whatever you want, 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Angie. And Bonnie. And there's so much prep work I have to do in light of the possibility that, you know, Ian has his bail hearing tomorrow. I'm going to be at my attorney's office for it because I had a meeting with my appointment when my attorney at one thirty tomorrow anyway. So it just makes sense since we're both going to view the hearing, obviously that I just view it there, right? which is regrettable because 
The most contact I can really have with Ian is for him to see my name there as one of the people there viewing it to, you know, in support of him. And I won't be able to do that tomorrow because I'll be at my attorney's office. But whatever, I expect they're arguing about the the bail amount that they want from him, despite the fact that cash bail has been gotten rid of in New Hampshire. I don't know how that exactly works. How can they require a cash bail when New Hampshire got rid of cash bail? What did they use instead of cash bail? Didn't they mention property? Yeah, well, they're using cash bail in this case. Uh, The prosecutors, I believe, is wanted $200,000, and the defense, Ian, wants $100,000. Right. So I imagine the judges are going to come and say, okay, we'll do $150,000. Both of you, neither of you get what you want. Let's move on. But that seems to be the only real sticking point about his release at this point. Of course, the government's lengthy response about this was like two and a half pages of them talking about why they felt that, you know, they couldn't reasonably assure that he would be in court, even though the judge already has disagreed with that and said, come at me with conditions. But obviously, they don't want to do that, but they have to because the George Mm -hmm. judge ordered them to. And, you know, I expect good news tomorrow. I don't know how long it will take all of this to actually get finished so that he can walk free out of the jailhouse but but there's a light which is good and you know that he is like thank goodness yes i expect good results in the hearing tomorrow so there's all sorts of stuff that i have to plan for to arrange for and these sheets that i'm holding is one of them because it's been my job for the last year and a half to handle the live read schedules and the podcast schedules making sure they're done making sure they're cataloged away and making sure they're sent to the party that needs them but I can't be here at the studio to do that if Ian lives here. So that's going to be a difficult... And, and I can't talk with Ian to work out these problems. It's so stupid because you both need to, sorry, like maintain employment. So shouldn't you both be able to talk about Free Talk Live? Could he just go next door to a different place of living? And like for during the show or during the time that you're here, can you not be on the same property? Probably not. Well, he's under house arrest. Okay, so he has to be on his side. I, I, I imagine so. I don't know. Hmm. I, I don't know how that's going to work with a duplex. I didn't even think about that. Like, we can't go over to Calvin's house together and talk to Calvin in his kitchen anymore. But it's still the same house. I imagine you can't still go next door. Hmm. I don't know. Don't. I'm not an attorney. I'm yeah. not the one setting these conditions. I would just say it seems reasonable that he would be allowed to go next yeah, door. Yeah, it's still his property. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still the same physical building. But who knows, um, all of this will be dealt with, but man, it sure would be a lot easier if, look, I'm willing for the prosecutors to be there, for all of the attorneys to be there. Just let me sit down with him so we can work out these issues, please. Exactly. <laughs> yep. We're, there's, we just need to talk about how the show is going to be done. That's, you know, and then what about, he's not supposed to talk to Mark either, and that's his... Right. I mean, this, how is he, that's his business partner. They want him to well, work, right? Like they want him Mark to. Mark calls himself Ian's business partner, but Free Talk Live is strictly speaking Ian's. Yeah, but they work very closely they together very on a lot of things. Yes, and uh, what's weird is I'm still allowed contact with Mark, but it, but you know obviously not about the case, which is fine because I'm not talking to anyone about the case except my attorney. But it's weird that they could make the exception for that with Mark, but they won't make the exception about it with Ian. I don't know. I'm hoping we can work something out where, you know, hey, we can have the parole officers, the attorneys, the prosecutors, everyone there in the room so that we can just have this conversation and work all this stuff out. 
That it, way, Free Talk Live is taken care of. Yeah, it's business, and they said that he needed to continue working. And the judge might not even approve their condition that he can't talk to Mark, so we don't even know for sure that he won't be able to talk to Mark yet, but... So those are not set in stone yet. Those are just things that they were recommending, That's the what prosecutor. This, okay. Yeah. I was under the impression that the defense had capitulated to most of the conditions, though. Oh, that well, that's true. Yeah, I, he's not really arguing any of them, I don't think, except the 100,000, 200,000 thing. I don't blame him because whatever the conditions are out here, they're infinitely better than Absolutely. the conditions in jail. Yeah. So hopefully that'll all be worked out. And hopefully Ian will be back on Free Talk Live next week. I Fingers mean, crossed. That would be fantastic. That'd be crazy. Cryptocurrency, though, I can't look into cryptocurrency or what it's doing or anything like that. I, I haven't actually asked whether or not I can look at Bitcoin prices. I can't imagine why I would be declined that, but th- I think my supervisory officer would come back with the question, of, well, what does it even matter to you? You can't do anything about it. So in, in, a, in a way, it doesn't really matter to me, but I'm curious and I like knowing what these things are doing. Evidently, Angie, you saw uh, Bitcoin fall below 30,000 yeah, today. It was like <clears throat> like 29,000 and something. I'm trying to look to see if I could find the exact low, but I don't see it. Um, something referenced uh, 24 hour low was 30,201. So it didn't go below 30. Well, it depends on wh- which market you're looking yeah. at, probably. It, it may have gone down below 30 on one exchange or one wallet or whatever. That makes sense. I didn't think about that. It's just like one year ago it was around 30,000, so it's not even like it's really down. What? I don't even think it was 30. No, no it, was it was like 3,500 yeah. or like six grand or something. Because I remember one when, year ago? Yeah, Last like, year was about seven at, grand. Like tax right time. Because oh. I remember looking at it and I was like, wow, people should really buy some crypto when they get their tax money back. I remember because it was about May the 3rd or May the 4th that I got the $1,200 stimulus check. And I recommended everyone buy Bitcoin. Yes. So I've been kind of keeping track of it since. And it was, it was at about $7,000 when I said that. Oh, wow. So, so any, if we bought $1,200 worth of Bitcoin then, what would it, would it be worth now? At, at the moment, if it's about $40,000, which I think is what it's at, yeah. it would be $7,000 worth of Bitcoin. That would be a great investment with your stimulus money. It, it would have been. Of course, we're not financial advisors, but you, if you had listened to me <laughs> back in May... You would be much wealthier than you are after having bought that $800 television. Mm-hmm. I got my last stimulus check the day of the raid. So I was like, I'm just going to keep this in my bank account, unfortunately. So I've never been able to do that. But Well, Here- I got one. My $600 stimulus check vanished. It was supposedly sent to me as a card, as a, one of the prepaid debit cards. I never received it. I imagine someone along the line was like, hey, no, I want this. Exactly. Wow. While the USPS is out there seizing my packages and, you know, scanning for stuff and searching through my stuff, you might want to be searching for the guy who stole my $600, wow. who was in your employ. Oh, my God. That's- but, of course, they don't care about that. I did receive the $1,200 check, but this was after the raid, so I couldn't use it to buy a Bitcoin. But so. I was always wondering that about the cards. I was like, they better not send me mine as a card because people- Or was it 14 the, the I second think it was 1400 yeah. The most recent one, yeah, was 14 but yeah, my the card evidently vanished, and I don't. I don't even. I imagine. Can they tell it, if it's been spent? Like, can they look at it? I could probably go to the IRS website and look into it. But screw them. That the IRS, they're they're part of the people who just kicked in my door and arrested me. Yes. So I'm I don't not want their to, help. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what happened to that little little bone they decided to throw the American people. That's right. You took that twelve hundred dollar one and bought some crypto. I'm not saying whether or not I did, but I certainly suggested that people do it. 
Well, apparently China is the main reason why Bitcoin went down. I don't know if I actually believe that, but that's what this article from CNN Business is saying. I mean, it's plausible there's more than a billion people in China, like a seventh of the world's yeah. population is in the one country. Well, I definitely don't believe that it's just because Tesla said something bad about Bitcoin. I don't think that Bitcoin would lose half its value because, you know, Bitcoin, I mean, Tesla I said something. I think that Tesla... Stopping taking Bitcoin probably made it lose, you know, two or three percent. But the rest of that was people panic selling because Mm -hmm. they bought it. And now they're like, oh, God, I'm going to lose money. So they panic sell, which just drove the price further down. And eventually people are like, okay, this this isn't a flash crash. Everything's fine. Just carry on. But this dropping down to 30,000, that's big. We're going to talk about the reasons why this happened. What exactly did China do that scratched Almost 33%, wouldn't it be? Right off the value of Bitcoin. 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live with Aria, Bonnie, and Angie. And I... Obviously not able to look. Is the media out there declaring Bitcoin to be dead again? Because every time there's something like this, they declare Bitcoin is dead, Bitcoin is dead. And Bitcoin not only hasn't died, but this year has hit unbelievable all-time highs. Yep. It, it has hit $60,000 per, per Bitcoin. I don't know if they're declaring it dead, but I have seen a couple of headlines saying that people should invest and people should get into it because it's going to be the you know currency of the future. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I would prefer to call this Bitcoin is on sale. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can, we know that Bitcoin can be worth at least sixty thousand. I think the cap was like sixty-two thousand or something like that. Right now, you can get it almost half that. Or I guess two thirds of that probably now. I think you said someone said earlier it was at forty thousand, but you know there was a time today where you could have gotten it at half that, at below thirty thousand or close to thirty thousand. The blue light special. Yeah. So and I imagine that's what drove the price back up to forty thousand. And everyone, oh god, it's it's on sale. Time to buy some. I still see people on Twitter say stuff like, "Well, I still don't have thirty thousand dollars." People still don't understand that you can buy less than one bitcoin. I'm- which was my problem at first. I was like, well, I don't have $6,000 or whatever when I first heard about it. It always confuses me that people say that because every every other currency that we've ever dealt with is divisible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It For doesn't reason- matter it, I mean, if your mother wants to pay you 50 cents or whatever. The dollar is divisible into 50 cents. For some reason, there's just such a disconnect between Bitcoin and or like Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency and regular currency. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, you just think it's a completely different and completely like unable to be understood type of thing. I don't know. Whenever you first hear about it. Well, especially like people like my parents. Imagine, though, trying to go into a store and you want to buy like a 50 cent candy bar. And you're like, oh, but I've only got a one. I've only got one USD. So it's just going to cost you a dollar. Yeah, get what? What a shame! And the and the and the gas station says, "No, we can't sell you that. Sorry, because we're not going to steal that fifty cents from you. So we're not going to sell you that." It's it's insane. That's not the world any of us grew up in. We know that you know the base dollar of money is divisible into smaller sums. Yeah, but I don't so know if people know that they can just buy part of it because I, I like you said, I've count can't count the number of times people are like, "Wow." 
you know, how many Bitcoin do you have? I'm like, I don't have a whole Bitcoin. And, you know, and they're like, really? Well, how do you get Bitcoin then? You can't just buy one? I'm like, no, you can buy like $20 worth or $50 worth. You don't have to go all in. Buy $50 a week and it'll add up. But people don't get it. They don't. And I just don't understand why people operate under that assumption. It's like, I just, it's exactly that. It's people who act like 50 cents doesn't exist. Times don't exist. Nickels don't exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that the smallest denomination of the USD is the, is the $1 bill. That the, the, a Bitcoin is the equivalent of the $1 bill. Only the Bitcoin can be broken into smaller, uh, much smaller mm-hmm. amounts. And Bitcoin is not backed by war and the aggression of the United States government abroad. Which, in my opinion, is a big advantage. I would rather not use a currency that is backed by war and threats of violence. But that's just me. China would agree, of course, and they are not fans of Bitcoin. They, they've never been fans of Bitcoin. I think India as well tried to ban Bitcoin and that didn't work out for them. But China has a much tighter hold on its people than the Indian government does. So what exactly is going on here? What did China do? Do you know? This from CNN Business says, Bitcoin plunges below 40,000 as China widens its crypto crackdown. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are plunging as anxiety spreads through the market, this time after China took more steps to crack down on the digital coins. The world's most heavily traded cryptocurrency plunged as low as $30,202 per coin early Wednesday after starting the day around $40,000, according so to... So it started around 40000 today? Yes. Yes. This is according to so, Coindesk. So it was bad for the last several days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been going down for the last several days. I, I mean, this is the reason, one of the reasons that I'm kind of glad that I can't just sit around watching it because I never, I never was one to just sit around watching the Bitcoin value, right? But each day I, I did like to wake up and look at the value and see where my crypto was at. And, you know, sometimes it was a, sometimes it was good. Sometimes it's like, ah, okay. Did it ever determine your mood? Like, were you ever like, oh crap, it's really down and blah, and you had a bad day? Or you no, like, because it, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up. That's just what it does. And the general trajectory on a whole is up. Yeah, well, that's good that you know that and that you weren't like, oh, no, I'm going to lose everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like Bitcoin falls 10% while I'm sleeping. I wake up, you know, three days later and it's up, you know, 16%. What do I care? Yep, it's, exactly. It's not lost until I've sold it for a specific amount. Yeah, you still have the same number of Bitcoin you had, yes. whether it's a dollar per Bitcoin or it's a thousand dollars per Bitcoin. Yes, I still have the same amount of mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Juicy J actually tweeted about this. Do you know who Juicy J is? I, I, know he's I would like a, never follow anyone who called themselves Juicy J. <laughs> well, he's a, like Just a, know that about me. <laughs> he's a pretty big rapper. I only know about him because he has a song with Katy Perry. But anyways, he tweeted like, um, just keep holding your Bitcoin. It goes up and down in value all the time. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's good. I wish more people knew that. I retweeted it. The only one that I wish that I could actually dump would be Dogecoin. Because I acquired mine, I think it was at a tenth of a penny when I acquired it. And now it's at 49 cents, 50 cents. I don't know what it's at now, but sure, it would be nice to have sold it at mm-hmm. 63 cents or whatever the peak was. But for me, it's still, it still monumentally has increased in value. Right. I would love to get rid of it, but I can't access my, my wallets to get rid of it. But nothing would make me happier than to get out of Dogecoin forever, <laughs> especially with Elon Musk trying to influence its developers. 
Well, he's still, I don't know, he's still trying to do stuff like bring a literal Bitcoin to the literal moon and stuff like that. So maybe he's going to pump it again and then I can get rid of it. Elon, hold on. Elon Musk has a plan to put a Bitcoin on the moon? Oh, a, a Dogecoin. Did I say Bitcoin? Sorry. He yeah. wants to bring a literal Dogecoin to the the literal moon. Do they have a literal Dogecoin? <laughs> well, I guess he's going to make one. Well, well, there are literal Bitcoins. I knew that. So I imagine you could have that with, but what a waste of money and time and energy. Well, he has so much money, he has to find something to spend it on. Spend it on ending war, man. Well, I guess in a sense, that's what he's doing. Yep. Okay, I can't criticize him too much, but why Dogecoin? Why not Monero or Hush or Zcash Maybe or Horizon? Maybe he made a good investment and he's trying to get the most out of his buck. He does seem like he's all about like memes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, See, I, if I was Elon Musk, I would have sold my Dogecoin once it hit, I don't know, 50 cents per. But then he's afraid he might lose out. Remember the, what is Fear it? Fear missing out? Yeah, FOMO or whatever yeah. they call it, yeah. Okay, maybe, maybe he's just that greedy that he's that stupid, but. Or maybe he has so much money, he just doesn't care. He's like, no, I'm just going to leave it. We're going to pump it and I'm going to get more. Or maybe he really does believe that the developers can make it good, even though it was made to be a an actual poop joke, coin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it is a joke coin, and uh, the, my favorite thing about it is that it means that the USD is officially worth two jokes <laughs> and no more. Yep. And pretty soon, it would seem it's going to be worth one joke. Or what I want to see is for Dogecoin to be more valuable than the USD. Uh, just Even if it's just by a penny, just one dollar and oh, one Oh, it's going to happen. I hope so, because I want to be able to say, ha ha, this joke currency is more valuable than this currency that you're taking seriously enough that you're staking your entire life on it. You built your entire life around the USD, accepting it, using it, spending it, earning it, all of that, taxing it, paying your taxes on it, and it's worth less than a joke. Yep. Yep. I love it. People only learn that uh, system and they think that other systems are so complicated when they don't even look into it at all. I was saying this to somebody recently. I was like, if you grew up being indoctrinated about the Bitcoin system, it'd be so easy to you. In fact, it's so much easier to understand than like the stuff we have going on right now. Well, but- that's because most people don't know the back end of what's going on right now, right? Because mm-hmm. the USD, the paper currency protects them from that. The banks protect them from that. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to learn how shady and secretive and immoral and evil it all really is because the bank is there to be like, hey, no, it's really quite simple. Just use this username and password. Use this debit card. Enter your PIN number. It's all really simple. And we're insured. So for up to $100,000. Yeah. And the average person doesn't have anywhere near that amount of money. So they're like, oh, my $900 is safe. They'll get it back to me. So the banks obfuscate all of that. They don't have to actually face it or deal with it or learn anything about where that money is actually coming from or what the banking system is actually doing. Yeah, most people believe that the amount of money they see in their bank account is what they really physically have in a safe somewhere. That's terrifying. I have worked at a bank and I can attest that that is not the case. We would get a shipment of money once a week. We would go through and count it and it was nowhere near what they say they were supposed to have. No, it was supposed to be 10% of the total amounts of deposits or something like that. You had to actually keep in... Per branch, maybe? Per, perhaps. Per, I don't but know. they got rid of that entirely. And now there's no reserve requirement within the Federal Reserve Banking System. They can do what they want. Infinite inflation. They opened the doors for that. All the more reason to get into Bitcoin. So why does China want to stop you? This is Free Talk Live. 
On March 16th of this year, a joint government task force raided the New Hampshire Bitcoin Embassy, the Mighty Moose Mart, the homes of Aria DiMezzo, Andy and Renee Spinella, Colleen Ford, Emma Grandmother, and perhaps most relevant, the studios of Free Talk Live. The Crypto Six were arrested, most were released, but Rich Paul, also known as Nobody, and Ian Freeman both remain in custody. We've been in contact with attorneys that say no crime even appears to have been committed, but that didn't stop the Joint Thug Task Force from ripping out wires from the back of our broadcast stacks, taking Free Talk Live off the air, violating our and your First Amendment rights. You can go to thecrypto6.com and donate to fight against these charges. But as importantly, contact media and tell them about this outrage. This case is likely to set precedent for the use of cryptocurrency well into the future. Help our fight for liberty and financial freedom at thecrypto6.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's the call online. You can call in and talk about whatever you want. 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Angie. And Bonnie. And we were just talking about, you know, the upcoming changes that are going to happen here on Free Talk Live. Presumably, Ian is going to get out of jail and he's going to want to return to the show and... I wish him well on that. I'm sure he's going to enjoy it. It's his show, and I'm sure he's got a lot to say, but he's Ian. He's smart. He knows what not to say. But, you know, it raises a question of what am I going to be doing, all of that stuff. Plus, it, it's, all, it's all so very complicated, and I just can't stress the point that it would be so much easier if, like, me and him could just sit down and say, okay, this is what we have to work with. This is the last time we're going to be able to communicate directly. So this is what we each need to go do. And then we'll be able to carry on this show that, you know, provides freedom of speech to 200 radio stations across the United States and to all of the listeners who are allowed to call in and talk about express whatever opinion they happen to have. So I don't know that that's just something that's going to have to be done. And I don't know how that can be done, but it's critically important for the continuance of Free Talk Live which I'm required to continue because it is my employer and Ian's required to continue because it's also his employer and he's the owner of it. So maybe they could assign you guys like a go between person. Like you could say, Hey, the sky is green. And the person could say, Hey, Ian, Aria says the sky is green. That would be fine. And I would be totally fine with that person, you know, being the supervisory Mm -hmm. officers themselves. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to keep law enforcement out of any of this, I just want to be able to communicate about the show. Could you ask your attorney that if that could happen or would that would be something that I'm going to bring it up when I'm meeting with him tomorrow? Yeah, because I, mean, I, I don't even think it's optional at this point. Hmm. I mean, I won't be able to come here to the studio to do my show. Right. So I'm going to have to do it for my place. But remote hosting has always been forbidden here on Free Talk Live. But that was because Ian was using the ability to host Free Talk Live, presumably, at least this is according to Mark, as a way of making sure that Mark didn't permanently leave New Hampshire because Mark wants to be on Free Talk Live. 
And if Mark can remote host the show, then Mark has no reason to ever return to New Hampshire. I didn't know that he wanted to leave. Well, maybe. Mark is a resident of the Marianas Islands. Yeah, I knew that. So he he doesn't seem to particularly he hates it here, especially during the colder months. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what has he been here for? Like three total weeks out of this entire year. Yep, sounds and about right. Maybe four total weeks out of last year. It's so nice outside right now. I can't imagine wanting to be in Florida where it's humid and disgusting. Outside just smells like flowers, and it feels like amazing right now. It does feel really good outside. It was a bit hot directly under the sun at like two p.m., but. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the case wherever you are in the summer. But it's manageable here, you know. I didn't even turn my air conditioners on today. I did turn them on Tuesday, but that was because I was an idiot and left my heat on. I forgot I left my heat on until like four in the afternoon when Mm. I was like, oh, my God, it's sweltering here. Why is it so hot? Well, it was because my house was already heated from my heater. And then the sun came along and said, hey, you're not hot enough. Let's fix that. (laughs) It's getting hot in here. The Moose Mart is so hard to heat, but the other day we like took out the filters and vacuumed them, and now it's so much better in there. <laughs> you mean it's hard to cool? Or oh, it... sorry. Yeah, hard to cool. Yeah. yeah, That's also because there's no shade right there. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, I live right beside the Mighty Moose Mart, and there's, especially from about 10 in the morning until 6 in the afternoon, there's just no shade anywhere. Yeah. It's always so hot in there. That... Which direction does the sun come up, in front or behind? Uh... Neither comes from the left to the upper right. I guess okay. I don't. I was thinking the windows in front of Mighty Moose Mart. I didn't know if the sun would come and like come up that direction and shine in during the day. Well, I think it's a tin building, is it not? That's certainly not helping. Of course, my house has no insulation. Don't get me started on that, though. We we talked about that a bit before. Yes, the we show. did. The fact that the insulation and the siding have been sitting there in my yard for two months and I'm going to have to pay, I have to pay your son to come out there and clean it up so that someone can come out there and cut my grass infuriates me. Oh, yeah, for but, sure. But hey, it's all good. It'll, it'll get done. It's it, funny. Does, it doesn't infuriate me. It frustrates me because all of the materials are already there. And it just has to be put up. It's, yeah. it's completely just the raid's fault. It's just everything is like on the back burner. What? What? <sighs> Those same people didn't mind priming and painting the house directly across the street from here. So not everything is on the back burner. Yeah. Just stuff that was prepaid is mm. on the back burner. Well, I found out a long time ago that you never prepay for anything. And if you do, don't have any expectations. Well, I don't know to what extent the labor was prepaid for, but I know all the materials are there. So I'm assuming the labor's probably already paid for as well. But that's not a big concern to me. It just frustrates me that now I have to pay someone to come out there and clean up the mess that they made so that I can get my grass cut because mm-hmm. the, it's spring now and my grass is now like a foot and a half tall because as I, I noticed, was pointing out I pointed that out to um, Michael yesterday I was like oh the grass is long Mikey has not been over there no he's getting he's having trouble getting a ride out there okay but yeah I picked him about it yesterday I was like hey man uh please <laughs> well he um the jeep that he usually took Michael tried to close the hatch with the tractor because he didn't want to get off of it or something oh, yeah <laughs> and so he that sounds um, like Michael yeah and so now it won't close it won't even latch and it and it's like he said it was a one solid frame and like the whole thing bent up and he was like we're just gonna junk it and I was like okay well wait the mo- lawnmower no we have a, a jeep Cherokee like a mm-hmm. box style and Mikey usually threw stuff in the back of it and took care of his jobs and since Michael tried to close it with the forks on the tractor a couple of days ago <laughs> <laughs> it it's like it an episode of MythBusters where they were trying to like thread needles and stuff with a with a um, excavator. Yeah, that didn't work. And he also put a, um he was 
but his trailer <laughs> got stuck and so he put a hole in the in the tailgate of the truck and bent up the bumper and he and he, do you know who whistling diesel is I do not. It's a YouTube channel, and he tears up vehicles. And he's like, I whistle-dieseled my truck. I was like, <laughs> all right. So all of this is a result of an incident that occurred on March the 16th, uh, two months and three, three days ago, as it were. That mm-hmm. means Ian has been in jail for a little over two months wow. without a conviction. It's worth pointing out. So my attorney, who is a really, really good attorney, brought this to my attention. It's from the union leader. Now... I think I did specifically request permission for the union leader, but they're a paywall site. And I wasn't Uh, aware of that when I requested specific permission for them. What is a paywall site? It means you're allowed to read like three articles a month and then you have to pay them for more. And I'm like, dude, I read maybe three articles of yours a month. But, you know, I'm happy to be behind a paywall at this given time. And this story came out that's all about the raid and what happened and the legal intricacies of it. So I, I had totally forgotten about it until somebody brought it to my attention just now on Facebook. And it's a story I want to talk about here on the air because it it's from the media. I'm not talking about the case. I'm just reading a story from the media. Well, I hadn't heard about like a big media place sharing anything about it. I, I got to tell you, man, my attorney is damned good. Hmm. He is on the ball. Nice. Coming to us from the union leader, state and federal governments have issued conflicting advice about the need to register ATMs, vending machines, I would say, that that facilitate the exchange of cash and cryptocurrency, according to records filed in a money laundering case against free keen activist Ian Freeman. In 2017, the New Hampshire Banking Department informed at least one merchant that his Bitcoin kiosk does not require a state license. State banking officials say they issue many similar no action letters each year. But the U.S. Treasury Department sees it another way. In 2018, its law enforcement arm informed Shire CryptoCoin, I've never even heard of Shire CryptoCoin, that exchanges involving cryptocurrency were money-transmitting operations that needed to be properly registered. The conflicting advice surfaced last week in U.S. District Court. The the defense lawyer representing Freeman entered the two documents into the court record shortly before debating with prosecutors whether Ian or it says Freeman, interesting, I saw Freeman and just said Ian, should be released on bail before trial. There's problems with the case. That's all I've got to say, said Mark Sisti, Freeman's defense lawyer, in a brief interview. This is not a slam dunk case. It's a unique situation that needs to be addressed. Sisti has said that Freeman is eager to bring his case to trial. We're going to talk more about this because the Union Leader article gets into some pretty good territory. 603-283-6160 is the call line. You can change the subject or you can talk about this story or anything else or the cryptocurrency or the Crypto 6. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Angie. And Bonnie. And 603-283-6160. That's the call line. You can talk about whatever you want. But I want to tell you about Freedom's Phoenix. It's a liberty-oriented news aggregate site. So if you want the newest and freshest stories and perspectives on current events from those who value liberty, then freedomsphoenix.com is where you need to be. Their daily dispatch is the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, Liberty News, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. That's freedomswithanetsphoenix.com. Freedomsphoenix.com. 
it's it's so bizarre to me that I can read that and promote the site, but I can't legally go to freedomsphoenix.com. Hmm. I've never gone there anyway. I, I know the guy who does it. I mean, it's Ernie Hancock and presumably some friends of his, so I trust the site. I, right. I just have no need to check it out. But it's bizarre to me that I can do that, but it's... Can't go there. And the reason for all of this is what we're discussing now, Bitcoin kiosks and a what what appears to be a dispute between federal and state governments about what, just what. At such a trial, Freeman, now, Sisti has said that e, Freeman, Ian, it says Freeman, but I'm probably going to continue calling him Ian because this is Ian's show. I think everybody knows who's who Ian is, but if I do say Freeman, it's because that's what's in the article. I've never called him, hey, Freeman, <laughs> at any point in my life. Sisti has said that Ian is eager to bring his case to trial. At such a trial, Ian may likely testify that he believed he wasn't doing anything wrong and point to conflicting evident- advice from state and federal authorities. Sisti also filed a 2017 letter from lawyers for the Ian-led Shire Free Church, They say the church is not required to be registered as a money transmitter under either state or federal law. And then they put the actual copy of the letter here. I assume that's from the PACER or something like that. Later this week, federal judge Joseph LaPlante is expected to decide on parameters for the pretrial release of Ian. And that's tomorrow at 2 p.m. I'm looking forward to it. The biggest issue appears to be cash bail. Prosecutors have called for 200000 Sisti is asking for 100000 Ian and five other Keene residents, well, that's, that's a bit of failure to specify. There's two other Keene residents, that's myself and nobody. And then there's Renee and Andy who are, I think they live in Derry, mm-hmm. and Colleen who lives in Alstead. Anyway, Ian and five other Keene residents, New Hampshire residents, face federal charges of wire fraud and money laundering. That's also not true. None of those charges have anything. I'm not being charged with any of that. Indictments allege they used donations to Keene area churches that the five controlled. And now there's there's five people, not six. It's it's all very confusing. And the, the indictment itself, when I saw it, I was as confused about it as this guy appears to be because it includes me, but then it's got all of these other names and they're tied to specific charges. So when I the first time I spoke to my attorney, I was like, it, it seems to me that only two of these charges actually apply to me. And he was like, no, you're all being charged with all 21. I was like, oh, okay, well, that sucks. What are you going to do, though? But he got back to me a few hours later. I was still in jail at the time. He was like, you were actually correct. Only The only people being charged with those eight, uh, 19 charges in between are the people whose names are specifically in that in that graph that's in the indictment. And I'm not in there. So it's all very confusing. And I, so can you I tell can't me, comment on it beyond that. Can you tell me what you're being charged with? Are you allowed to tell me? Yes. I'm being, according to the federal indictment, I'm being charged with operating an unlicensed money transmitting business and conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money transmitting business. The others are being charged with wire fraud and conspiracy to operate a money transmitting business and Ian specifically is being charged with money laundering. Okay. I think that Ian is the only one that's actually facing all 21 charges. After that, it sort of degrades to, I think nobody who's facing five or six, Colleen who's facing three or four, 
Renee, who's facing three or four, and myself, who's facing two. And what about Andy, Andrew? I don't know. I'd have to look at the indictment to see, but I imagine it's, it's probably about the same as Renee. But I don't recall. I remember seeing nobody a lot, and I remember seeing Andy a lot and Renee a lot, so I don't know. It's been um, oh, it's been probably two months since I took a look at the actual indictment. It's not my favorite document in the world. Oh, I bet not. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even read it at all. It's probably worth my attention again at some point, but I haven't even looked at the search warrant yet at the exhibits for it. I'm doing that tomorrow. That's part of the reason that I want to meet, meet with my attorney is to go over the discovery, which is protected, which means he can't just send me a copy of it. I have to actually go to his office. Even though it's a list of your things? I have the list of my things that was taken, the incomplete list of my things that was taken. But I don't have, and I have the search warrant saying, hey, the, the government says we're allowed to search your property. And that's because of C attachment F and attachment G and attachment 147.3 W. But the attachments that justified the warrant and what they were specified, what they were searching for weren't left behind. You haven't seen them at all? No. They left their search warrant that said, okay, we're searching you because of reason why, so see paper B, but they didn't leave paper B. My attorney has paper B. That's evidently in the discovery. That's that's the prosecutor's evidence, and he's got that pulled up for me, but they he can't just email me that to me in PDF form because it's considered protected. All of the discovery is considered protected. So when they came with their search warrant, did they show it to you? Did they... I mean, they, they broke they, in, they just busted through, but... They offered to, but I got to be honest with you, six o'clock in the morning, I'm not really wearing any clothes. There are people pointing guns at me. Whether they had a warrant or not, yeah. it wasn't going to matter. You're because like, tell they, me what to do. Well, not really, because they did tell me what to do, and I told them I wasn't going to do it. Like, on oh, more than one I occasion. I love that. <laughs> I, I'm lucky I didn't get shot that day. To be totally honest, because I don't know if you know, but I came down these stairs screaming because I thought it was the contractors who had been doing construction on my... No. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought it was the contractors, you know, these guys who were across yeah. the street, Lumpy and all of them, who had been out at my house doing construction. I thought they, they were just making a lot of noise for some reason. So I came screaming down the stairs wearing a blanket and a pair of underwear, screaming expletives about what was going on. And I reached the bottom of my stairs and it's the FBI. <laughs> Pointing guns at me and flashlights at me with their riot shields and stuff, oh telling me, stop moving or we will open fire. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I sort of put my arms in the air, but like I said, my blanket was wrapped around me. If I p fully put my arm in the air, it was going to fall yep. and I was going to be cold and basically naked. Well, they instructed me to put my hands in the air and I said, no. They said, you have to so that we can handcuff you. I said, I'm not doing that. And eventually they had a female officer come up. They kept their guns on me and told me not to move or they would shoot me. But And I didn't move. But they had a female officer come up and pull my hands behind my back in a way that the blanket did not fall. So I won that victory, which is strange to me because I'm not a modest person. Right. right? But for whatever reason, it was important enough to me at six in the morning that I was willing to die to not do it. And I finally figured out why that is, given the fact that I'm not a modest person. And it's because they couldn't make me degrade myself they could tackle me they could rip the blanket off me they could do whatever they yep. wanted but they could not make me do it to myself it's been a fascinating story 603-283-6160 that's the call in line you can weigh in on it 603-283-6160 this is free talk live 
Carl Watner, longtime proponent of a voluntary society, died last December. You may have seen his articles published on his website, voluntarius.com, in his newsletter, The Voluntarist, The Mises Institute, or elsewhere over the last 40 years. His newest book, I Must Speak Out, Volume 2, The Best of the Voluntarist, is now available via Liberty Under Attack Publications. This 430-page second volume spans the years of 2000 through 2020 and includes articles by Carl Watner, Hans Hermann Hoppe, Carl Hess, Benjamin Tucker, George H. Smith, Lysander Spooner, Pete Ayer, Joyce Brand, and many others. I Must Speak Out is for the newly initiated, the veteran voluntarist, or anywhere in between. Buy the book now at libertyunderattack.com slash voluntarist. For more great content on building a voluntary society and for Carl's extensive archives, check out voluntarist.com. It is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's the color line for you to do that. With you in the studio is Aria, Bonnie, and Ejen. Angie. Angie. Ejen. Okay. It's my, screw, my show name, Ejen. <laughs> that was a weird combination of Angie and Ian. Obviously, Ian is not here with us tonight. He's obviously on my mind. I mean, he has, I mean I've usually he's on the show with me, so it's usually... Aria, someone, and Ian, or Aria, Ian, and someone, so it's, I don't know, that's still the first time that's happened in like two months, so. Right. I love just, I mean, uh, Aria and Ian shows, shows that were just Aria and Ian. I I enjoy those a lot, too, because. They're so good. Yeah. I I really enjoy the shows where it's me, Mark, and Ian, though, (laughs) because no one trolls I'm a troll at heart, but no one trolls Mark better than Ian. Sit back and get popcorn. <laughs> yeah, and so when the two of when the three of us are on together, I usually just sit there, wait though fuel on the fire whenever the opportunity presents itself. It's so much fun. But anyway, if you're curious about all of the stuff going on, head over to thecrypto6.com. It's it's a fundraising website i don't know because i haven't actually been to it because i'm not legally allowed to go to it and if you want to know why i'm not legally allowed to go to it go to thecrypto6.com because the case in front of us this case that we're talking about from the union leader it's big and it's going to affect cryptocurrency for a very long time it's going to set a lot of very important precedents and we want them to be set toward liberty and financial freedom so check out thecrypto6.com if that's not really your speed you can check out help.ariademetso.com, which it says it's for me, but as the very first statement there points out, it's pretty much for all of the Crypto 6. It's not just me fundraising. It's just that with particular crowds, I have better chance of success with raising money than you know nobody would. Right. So it's just smart marketing. But you know it makes it clear it is a fundraiser for me to pay for my legal fees, but anything that I don't need to pay for my legal fees will go to the legal fees of the other crypto six it's a gofundme which is easy it is help.ariademetso.com will take you directly to it if you don't know how to spell that i can't help you well i mean i guess i could i was like you don't know how to spell your name i guess i could but i mean at that point we might as well just tell people to go to the crypto six.com and click on the gofundme link right perfect yeah instead of spelling out my name but anyway so what we're talking about here is 
hopefully Ian is going to be released soon. Uh, the bell hearing on that, the, the third or fourth or fifth, I've lost track of how many times they've argued about this bell hearing is tomorrow. They appear to be just arguing about how much money the bell is going to be. And for the prosecutors, what I'm, what I've heard is that it's because the prosecutors want to know as a general idea of how much cash fluidity Ian has lying around that he can access to pay this bill. And I mean, that would make sense, but it's also because, I mean, according to the documents filed yesterday by the FBI, they seized more than 200 Bitcoins from Ian's safe. And these were the physical Bitcoins. I forget what they're actually called, but more than 200 of them were seized according to what the FBI released yesterday. So they're thinking $100,000 for someone who just had 200 Bitcoins stolen from them is a drop in the bucket because 200 Bitcoins, as of yesterday, I thought, was about $8 million. Right. So 100000 how much money does he really have? They're thinking, oh, mm-hmm. maybe it's worth it to him to just take whatever Bitcoin he has hiding and flee the country, but that's not Ian, obviously. Right. But they they don't know that, or they want to pretend not to know that. You know, as Sissy pointed out, if the government had done their homework, then they would know that this is the kind of guy you would have to swat away from a courtroom to keep him away from it. That, those were Sisti's exact words. And yes, that's Ian to a T. But the prosecutors are either pretending like they don't know that or they for somehow don't actually know that. So uh, Ian and five other New Hampshire residents face federal charges of wire fraud and money laundering. As I pointed out, that's not entirely true. That It's not actually, it's an almost entirely false what they just said. But anyway, indictments allege they used donations to Keene area churches that the five controlled to shield $10 million worth of dollar Bitcoin exchanges for scam artists and drug dealers. Now, none of those things are actively being charged against any of us. I think there is a money laundering charge against Ian because evidently, according to what they were talking about uh, during Ian's bell hearing, Someone texted Ian wanting to buy some Bitcoins from him or something like that. And Ian said, well, look, I can't do that. I can't knowingly have any business to do with you because you're a drug dealer. So I, I, can't, I can't do it. And evidently, the FBI agent was like, well, can I use your Bitcoin vending machine then or something like that? And he is like, well, I can't stop you because he's right. We don't even know who this guy is. How are we going to say, hey, no, you random stranger, you're not allowed in the store here. So you can't go in there to do that. I, I don't know anything about what transpired there beyond what was in the bell hearing. But uh, still, that's he's only got one charge of money laundering against him, and that was from an FBI agent plant. So that's not even okay. They, they should not be able to do that and then charge him if there's just one incident and they did it. I would agree. And the incident, you know, it, if it is as was described, it makes perfect sense. Can you, you know, describe it? As it was described, I don't know the incident. I I wasn't there. I didn't hear anything about it. But as they reported it in the bell hearing, it was an FBI agent saying, hey, I sell drugs or whatever, and I want to buy some Bitcoin from you, from your vending machine, as I understand it. Again, I wasn't there. I don't know anything about it. I'm working off what was said in the hearing. And Ian said, well, I obviously have no power to stop you. And the guy went and did. And they said, oh, now it's money laundering because evidently, according to them, Ian accepted money from someone who was a known drug dealer. But this would mean that Walmart is a drug dealer, that Mm Coca-Cola is a drug dealer. 
I mean, yep. it's a, a money launderer is the word I'm looking for, not drug dealer. I've gotten cash back to go get my wrap so I could smoke a joint before. So Walmart is a drug dealer. I mean, a money launderer. In part, illegal exchanges took place at the virtual currency automated teller machines, vending machines, or kiosks located throughout New Hampshire, according to the indictments. And that's an important distinction to make. And it was the New Hampshire Banking Commission that made that distinction that pointed out that these are vending machines, not ATMs, because they already have the product within them that they are dispensing. They're not taking it from another source, which is what the ATM does. You put your card in, it distributes cash, yes, but it also subtracts that cash from your bank account. Well, when you buy a a bag of chips from a vending machine, it doesn't subtract that bag of chips from, you know, Lay's inventory. Because it's already there in the machine. Right, it's stocked, which makes a lot of sense. A spokesman for the lead prosecutor in the case, Assistant U.S. Attorney Georgie McDonald, is she, her name is actually Georgiana, but my attorney calls her Georgie, so I know her as Georgie, said the office does not comment on pending cases and referred a reporter to the indictments, which is pretty much what I've been doing as well. And they then included at least the first page of the indictment. The state banking commissioner acknowledged that the state and federal government look at cryptocurrency regulations in different ways. Banking Commissioner Gerald Little said state and federal regulators have different approaches for other financial services as well. One example is check cashing businesses, which the federal state government regulates and the state government doesn't. There's two levels here, said Little, state and federal, who stressed that he was talking in general and not about Ian's case. You can't say... I complied with state law, so I must have complied with federal law. That's not necessarily the case. You should speak to an attorney. According to a heavily redacted no-action letter that the state banking department issued in 2017, a merchant was not required to have his Bitcoin machine licensed or registered with the state as a money transmitter. Which makes sense, because it's not money transmission if you sell someone a bag of chips from a vending machine. The machine in question allowed users to exchange cash for Bitcoins or vice versa, It did not hold dollars or Bitcoin on an account, nor did it transfer the money to someone else. It's no different from a vending machine that sells snacks, says the banking commissioner of New Hampshire. Oh, my God. You you push two buttons and out comes your candy bar, Little said. But he said every situation is different, and someone with a kiosk should contact the banking department to determine if registration or licensure is necessary. And as pointed out previously, a no-action letter was, in fact, sent to Ian Freeman. And that's coming from the union leader. It's Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. You can call in and talk about whatever you want, 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Did you say Angie or ENG? What did you call me last time? Angie and her. I don't remember what I said. I was going to try to say it. It's Angie. <laughs> and Bonnie. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I'm still looking forward to ForkFest, which is coming up June the 28th through July the 4th. <laughs> I'm still looking forward to it because I'm operating under under the assumption that Ian won't be allowed to go and he will want to continue the tradition of having Free Talk Live recording people there. 
I don't know if either of those things are going to be true. And I don't know whether or not Ian would even want that time off. I, you know, there's so much I don't know with stuff that I'm just honestly not going to be able to directly ask him a question about. I think it will be great to have Ian locked in the house where he, where he can't go to a protest or to fucking great and not be able to do the show. So I'll hope, I'll hope for him to be able to let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's June the 28th at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. There's no one in charge. You can just show up. Reserve your camping site, motel room, or RV site with Rogers Campground and just come hang out with liberty-loving people like like the Porcupine Freedom Festival started as, just people hanging out and talking about the ideas of liberty. Of course, that's not all we talk about. I mean, there, last year there was a poker tent and I mean, you dealt the poker yeah, games. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There. there was all kinds of stuff going on. It's a, it's a great time. Check it out. Forkfest.party is the unofficial website. It's called Forkfest because it is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's borrowed from cryptocurrency. The first one was actually called um, ooh, Somalia, Somalia, Somalia Fest. Fest. Yes. That was the first time I ever actually came to New Hampshire, in fact, was for Somalia Fest, which was occurring before the Porcupine Freedom Festival then. Uh, Will Coley, who I did Call to Freedom with, was like, hey, you want to come up? I was like, Sure. That's that's I knew that I saw you one time before before you actually came here and it was at Will Coley's thing because he was selling T-shirts. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was here with Muslims for Liberty, despite not being a Muslim, doing just helping out and checking out the scene of New Hampshire and what. How did you meet them? uh, Will, I I just happened to write something online one day that caught his attention, Hmm. and then he invited me to come on his show, and I did, and they. Just kept inviting me back until he was like, okay, you're a co-host now. Cool. And then he moved to New Hampshire. I continued co-hosting. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to move to New Hampshire too. Why not? Yeah, good for you. <laughs> well, I guess so. But, you know, some some stuff happened recently. And we're talking about the union leader's take on that. Western Union is the most famous money transmitter, allowing someone in New Hampshire to wire money to another person almost anywhere around the world. The New Hampshire Banking Department licenses nearly 2,780 money transmitters in the state. Everyone from corporate supermarkets to neighborhood bodegas, according to the agency's website. A kiosk that facilitates cash Bitcoin exchange for the user does not fall into that category, according to state banking officials. Was that recent or is that something they've said before? Does it say? Uh, It appears to be that the union leader reached out to the banking commissioner, Gerald Little, for a comment, and his comment was, among others, it's no different from a vending machine that sells snacks. You push two buttons, and out comes your candy bar. Nice. So I don't know if they're quoting something they found of his from 2018 or whatever, but that's kind of immaterial anyway. But in 2018, an arm of the U.S. Treasury Department told Shire Cryptocurrency that most virtual currency exchanges meet the definition of money transmitters. Cryptocurrency exchanges must must register with the Treasury Department's FinCEN, which is the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, and provide reports to law enforcement to avoid concerns about money laundering and terrorist financing, the letter reads. Only 28 New Hampshire money service businesses have registered with FinCEN, according to its website. Well, isn't that interesting, given that the New Hampshire Banking Department licenses nearly 2,780 money transmitting services? 
here in New Hampshire. The, so they're saying that 28 are uh, Bitcoin vending machines? Is that what they're saying? No, they're saying that 28 of the 2,780 registered money transmitters in the New Hampshire state are actually registered with FinCEN. Weird. Roughly 1% mm-hmm. of the money transmitting businesses in the state of New Hampshire are actually registered with FinCEN, according to the union leader. Of course, they didn't say that. We're just parsing out what they actually did say. Mm-hmm. But yes, they put it in bold here. Only 28 New Hampshire money service businesses have registered with FinCEN. And a money transmitting business is a money services business. But a money services business isn't necessarily a money transmitting business. So there are far more money services businesses in New Hampshire than there are money transmitter businesses. So if there's two, can you give me an example of why it would be different? Like, give me an example of a business that would be a services, and then one that would be a transmitter. Uh, a savings deposit company. Okay. That I don't know. You deposited money into it, would and be you a services? interest or whatever, and they paid you back that interest. Okay. Would be a money services business gotcha. because they're doing a service related to money, presumably. I don't know. I'm not an attorney. That's just how I understand it. Right. But a money transmitter is someone who takes money from source A, acts as an intermediary to deliver it to source B. Okay. Or source C, rather, because the intermediary, you, would be source B. I understand. Thank you. So anyone who, so a money transmitter, someone who does that, is a money services business. And there's 2,780 of those registered with the Banking Commission in New Hampshire. But only 28 of a broader category of businesses that would have to register with Vincent are registered to, with Vincent according to Vincent's website. I wonder and, if that's a new New Hampshire specific problem. It seems to be. And most of those are small neighborhood markets in Manchester and Nashua, but one registrant included the Free State Project Incorporated. An email sent to a contact listed for the Free State Project was not returned. I'm not surprised by that at all. Little said New Hampshire last looked at cryptocurrency in 2015 when the legislature decided that cryptocurrency-only transmissions from one person to another did not have to be regulated. He said it would make sense for the legislature to revisit the issue as cryptocurrency becomes more accepted. As more people use cryptocurrency, they want to know that transmissions are safe, he said. Ten years ago, the the emergency... God, this is hard. Ten years ago, the emerging industry... Balked at regulation, saying its product differed from government-issued money and shouldn't be heavily regulated as such. Now that there's more acceptance of cryptocurrency, all of a sudden they're coming to us and saying, we want to be regulated like real money. No, I don't know. I don't know who they is. Maybe Coinbase or Kraken or someone? Well, the government had to go to Coinbase multiple times to ask them to give away their customers' uh, information before they did. So I really doubt they're going to the government saying, please... uh." Well, they certainly are. Oh, Uh, they are? Yeah, they they formed this entire coalition. I don't remember what they called it, but it's them, Gemini, uh, I think Binance. I don't think Kraken got involved with it. And a few other of the major cryptocurrency exchanges that formed this body of ethics and responsibility that's going to basically draft the regulations that are going to affect that the U.S. government is then going to take and then put into law saying, okay, well, the cryptocurrency experts, Coinbase, and their little cartel of people have said that these regulations are what is needed. But of course, these regulations, the ones that Coinbase and these others are crafting, are just going to prevent people from competing with them. Yeah, isn't that kind of like a monopoly? Well, it's exactly that. But, you know, they're calling it 
a regulatory advisory committee or whatever. But basically, they're going to do the same thing that the Federal Reserve Banks did. You're going to get a bunch of bankers sitting around in a dark room drafting legislation that some congressman is going to show up to with Congress and say, hey, um, my brother-in-law who really knows his stuff said this is good regulation for this industry. And it, except instead of bankers doing this, it's going to be the Coinbase CEOs and the Kraken CEOs. Well, thank God you don't need to go through an exchange to have any Bitcoin or use or trade Bitcoin. You don't. And that's what they want to change. That's why they're targeting local Bitcoins and the Crypto 6 and others. They want to shoehorn everyone into getting their cryptocurrency from one of these few sources that become the gatekeepers of all cryptocurrency. That's evil. And I've been talking. It, it's beyond evil. And Coinbase doesn't mind it. Kraken doesn't. Well, I don't know about Kraken. They, they're a bit more anti-state than the others, but Coinbase certainly doesn't mind it. Gemini doesn't mind it. And it's because they know they're going to be the gatekeepers in this new system. And they're going to be the ones saying who can and can't buy cryptocurrency, how much cryptocurrency they can and can't buy. And they're 100% beholden to the state. They're working closely with the state to make all of this happen. They're becoming the new banking system. And that's why the Crypto 6 have to be taken down. And anyone who's like the Crypto 6 have to be taken down. Because we threaten their attempt to control the world in a world that cannot be controlled because there's this new technology that prevents it from being controlled. What are your thoughts? 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever happens to be on your mind, express whatever opinion you should happen to have on the on whatever topics you want. 603-283-6160. That's the call-in line. You can call in and talk about whatever, as I said. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria, Bonnie, and Angie. I almost did it again. Yeah, I heard it. it. Angie, I think I called you. I don't <laughs> Angie. know. Angie. Anyway, Aria, Bonnie, and Angie, or Aria, Angie, and Bonnie. That's I, easier I, to say. I may flub that one less. Yeah. So it, it may not even be about Ian. It may just be the fact that Bonnie ends with E. Yep. And that, that confuses my brain for whatever reason on a Wednesday after I've been already working for 11 hours. Wow, we all have little, like, two-syllable names. Aria's three. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, the shortest one. I don't know. Anyways. It is, it is the shortest by letter, for sure. I was so. going, Aria. <laughs> <laughs> but um, before we got into that topic from the union leader that someone reminded me about, we were talking about China and Bitcoin and... Whatever China has done that caused this evident collapse in the value of Bitcoin, at least temporarily, I think it's gone back up. I think someone said it went down to 30,000, but it's back up to about 40,000 now. So it was a temporary crash, 
But of course, 40,000 is still down from its all time high of 62,000 or whatever. So it's all a matter of perspective and how you're looking at it. We covered that CNN Business says that, according to Coindesk, it plunged as low as $30,202. Bitcoin then recovered slightly, but was still down more than 10%, around $38,700 per coin, around the time of the New York Stock Exchange close. Alongside Bitcoin's fall Wednesday, several other major cryptos were down. I'm not surprised. That's usually how it goes. When Bitcoin goes up, it brings the rest with them. And when it goes down, it drags down the rest with them. Or drags the rest down with them. Is it's it, usually less destructive with the others, though. They rise more slowly and they fall more slowly. Like Bitcoin jumping up to sixty-two thousand, it it didn't bring Bitcoin Cash up to you know five thousand, but it did bring it up to like thirteen hundred, and it also took a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So it will probably take a lot longer for this to affect the values of you know Monero and Bitcoin Cash and other actually useful currencies, even Dogecoin is more useful as a currency than Bitcoin. (laughs) This says Ethereum plummeted below 2,000 per unit after trading above 3,000 on Tuesday before reclaiming some of its lost ground. Ether was down around 22% at nearly 2,600 Wednesday afternoon. Good, I wish it was down 100%. (laughs) I hate Ethereum. (laughs) The meme-turned-currency Dogecoin lost more than 24% of its value. Okay, but it just... So what is that? What what is 24% of... 50 cents. No idea. Don't ever ask me that again. <laughs> I can't <laughs> do that. Like, it's got to be like 14 cents. Yeah, something like that. Somewhere around there. Not much. I cannot do fractions, not even a little bit. Maybe 16. So Dogecoin is at like 36, 35 cents now? I don't know. I, gotta look. I haven't looked. I mean, it's still a joke coin. Uh, it's. I would also level that same criticism at Bitcoin that I leveled at the USD that, hey, this joke coin is more valuable than you, or these two joke coins are more valuable than you. Uh, this joke coin is actually also more useful as a currency than Bitcoin. I've heard that there's more U.S. dollar in circulation than there is Dogecoin, which makes it more, you know, less of a joke than U.S. dollars. It's 31 cents. But I haven't, like, okay. verified that. Okay, 31 cents. I don't know how much USD is actually in circulation. I think less than 3% of the total existing USD is actually money that's in circulation and the rest just exists digitally. Oh my God. So as far as digital currencies go, the USD is 97% a digital currency. Then maybe I meant like issued. I don't know. This was like a tweet. It's all very confusing. And who knows? Who knows what the numbers really are when they can just create it out of thin air? This says crypto trading platforms Coinbase and Coindesk experienced outages as a result of the sell-off. Bitcoin was already dropping this month after Tesla CEO of um oh wait, sorry, Tesla CEO Elon Musk said he was wary of its environmental impact. But a new announcement from a trio of Chinese finance and banking watchdogs appears to have uh, shocked cryptocurrency markets even more. The agency said Tuesday that financial institutions and payment companies should not participate in any transactions related to cryptocurrency, nor should they provide crypto-related services to their clients. Okay, one more time. The agency has said Tuesday that financial institutions and payment companies should not participate in any transactions related to cryptocurrency, nor should they provide crypto-related services to their clients in China. Wow, that's pretty heavy-handed. So does that mean that still they could do it peer-to-peer? Uh, that would be their only option. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
does look like that leaves that open. But here in the United States, it's going the other direction where mm-hmm. banks and stuff like that are trying to get into cryptocurrency. Yep. And they're trying to eliminate the little man. Yeah. Like mm. the Crypto 6. Exactly. This says prices of this is in a in a quote. Prices of cryptocurrency have skyrocketed and plummeted recently and speculative trading has bounced back. The serious this seriously harms the safety of people's property and disturbs normal economic and financial orders, said the statement from regulators supervised by the People's Bank of China and the China Insurance and Banking Commission. China's chilly stance toward cryptocurrency goes back 10 years. Or not 10 years, sorry, just years. While the country doesn't completely ban cryptos, regulators in 2013 declared that Bitcoin was not a real currency and forbade financial and payment institutions from transacting with it. At the time, they cited the risk that Bitcoin could be used for money laundering, as well as the need to maintain financial stability and protect the uh, yuan's status as a fiat currency. And that's in quotations. Protect the yuan's status as a fiat currency. From Bitcoin. Um, I appreciate the honesty from the Chinese government. I wish the United States government was more un- honest about it. Mm-hmm. But I think the United States government, you know, they don't have the control over their people to ensure that Bitcoin is outlawed. In China, they kind of do have that level of control. But I mean, if China wants to keep its people on an inferior currency, that's only going to hurt China and the Chinese people. And that sucks, considering it's not exactly difficult for them to just leave China. But if they're unhappy with it, I would suggest that they they leave China. Isn't China the same place that regulates how many children you can have? Am I right about that? I've always heard that, but I've never looked into it to see whether or not it's true. Definitely was for a time. I just don't know if it still is true. Okay. I mean, but the Chinese government has a very tight hold on its people. Right. This says members of the public can hold or trade cryptocurrencies, but major exchanges in mainland China have been shut down. Authorities in 2017 also banned initial coin offerings, a way for tech startups to raise money by issuing crypto tokens to the public. The growing crackdown may be in part to boost China's state-backed Digital Yuan initiative, which authorities are working to implement so it can keep money flows under its strict oversight. Wow, it's that makes sense. What we're doing too, or what the United States is doing too. What the United States appears to be willing to a degree to allow Bitcoin to peacefully coexist with it. But surely the people who are in charge here know that Bitcoin is superior to the USD in every measurable way. And that Bitcoin will ultimately win this competition between the USD and Bitcoin. Bitcoin probably won't win, but some other cryptocurrency mm-hmm. will, and it won't be the USD. So I imagine the their plan, if they have a plan, to curb that is to set up some sort of gateway that controls the access of cryptocurrency for the average person, where instead of allowing peer-to-peer transactions, the United States government is a little bit smarter, and they're only only allowing you to go through these licensed, regulated cryptocurrency exchanges that way they have these puppets who tell you how much cryptocurrency you can buy when you can buy it why you can buy it and who can say oh why are you trying to withdraw this 0.07 bitcoin what is it that you're trying to purchase you have to explain to us what you're trying to purchase and we have to be sure that it's not drugs it's not related to terrorism and then once we jump through all these hoops we'll let you have your money that's why you need to get all your crypto now and put it through mixer That's not financial advice. Bonnie Cruz.
And banks do the same thing. If you go to one and you try to withdraw your life savings, they'll tell you, oh, well, no, your money's yes. safer with us. Just, just leave it here. Why do you want to withdraw this money in the and first place? what are you place? doing with it? It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. You're welcome to call in, join the show, talk about whatever you want. 603-283-6160. Within the studio, it's Aria, Angie, and Bonnie. And yeah, that that is easier. That's much easier. Now, I'm limited basically to two main news sources as far as show prep goes, uh, Fox News and MSNBC. I almost never check MSNBC anymore because... It's just garbage. There's nothing interesting there. Fox News is is proving to be much more reasonable, much more interesting, and much more worth talking about than anything I found at MSNBC. So today, by sheer coincidence, I happened to pull it up, and I found something that I couldn't resist clicking. And I haven't even read this, but it sounds like something I want that you know would be interesting. So forgive me if it's not. Why are sound wave attacks met with silence from American officials? It's long past time for the director of national intelligence to take the lead and establish a multi-agency task force under her command. Now, I disagree with that, but it is from MSNBC and they're a totalitarian mouthpiece for the American government. So it's not surprising they want a centralized multi-unit task force to take control of something. Recent reporting has revealed that debilitating sonic frequency attacks against U.S. government personnel have not been limited to foreign locales. They're also happening here in the United States, including twice in Washington, against National Security Council officials. When it says U.S. personnel, is it talking about government workers? It is talking about government workers, yes. Why would they attack their own workers with... Well, it's, saying, it's not saying the U.S. government is doing this. Mm. It's just saying it's happening to U.S. government officials and they need to look into why. Okay. In fact, this author seems to think that it's some other foreign government doing it and the United States government needs to figure it out and retaliate or whatever. Recent reporting also indicates that attacks against U.S. diplomats abroad started earlier and occurred in more places than previously known. The men and women suffering from excruciating symptoms, not to mention their families, who have dedicated their lives to government service, deserve answers. I can't imagine what it must feel like to have dedicated your life to government service. Must be honorable, I guess. (laughs) They probably think it is. Right? That's exactly what they're... I've I've been doing my duty. But so far, our government's public response to these sound wave attacks has been little more than the sound of silence. Until recently, we've known only that mysterious directed energy attacks began in 2016 in Havana and affected U.S. personnel assigned to Cuba and China. But reporting last week raised concerns that our government knows more than it has let on about how long these radio frequency attacks have been occurring, how many Americans have been affected, and in how many places. It sounds like conspiracy theory nonsense, but it's from MSNBC. According to a New York Times report, suspected attacks occurred as recently as this month, and some have resulted in debilitating injuries. In a report released in December, the National Academy of Sciences said a microwave weapon probably caused the injuries. 
Some officials believe a microwave or directed energy device is the most likely cause. Now, what can you tell me what the in, the in injuries are? Uh, yes, there is a Havana syndrome. I can pull it up and see what these symptoms are. It sounds like the brown sound from South Park. These symptoms vary, but range from headaches to ringing in the ears, as well as hearing, memory, and balance loss. Some victims have suffered long-term brain damage. Even more disturbing, reports have trickled out that the CIA and Pentagon don't believe this is a naturally occurring illness. It's a deliberate act of aggression. But all of that's coming further in this actual article. But yes, it's headaches, uh, nausea, loss of balance, loss of memory, and apparently permanent brain injury. Perhaps most alarming is the revelation that at least two episodes involving White House staff members, one in 2020 that affected a National Security Council official near the ellipse south of the White House. And that is way too much detail about where this freaking person was standing. And another in 2019 involving a woman walking her dog in North Virginia. That's so weird because at the beginning of this article talked about them being like people working abroad. So I thought this wasn't happening in the United States. If it's happening in the United States, how is it a government outside of the United States attacking these people? I just picture somebody walking around with a microwave. <laughs> You're like, I'm coming to get you. Well, we don't know how big these weapons would be or how complicated they would be to build in a home and, mm-hmm. you know, target it at someone. I, I, I have no idea. But uh, they did start abroad, but evidently it's also happened to people who are physically within the United States. Mm. This news brings the specter of foreign adversarial actions to within yards of the White House. Oh boy, they are scared. The Chinese are coming with their cheap Chinese microwaves to give you memory loss and, and a headache. We've also now learned that more personnel than previously disclosed have reported symptoms from attacks. Now, these symptoms are really vague. Loss of memory, dizziness... Headache. I if I experienced those, my first thought wouldn't be the Chinese hit me with a microwave gun. <laughs> In fact, if that was my first thought, I would think my true issue was dementia. Yes, and I, I mean those memory loss. I'll give you that's pro- that's a pretty serious one. But headache and the dizziness. I I have very low prep, low blood pressure. I'm dizzy all the time. I never sit around and go, wow, that felt like a microwave attack. <laughs> How crazy do you have to be to get a headache and go, oh, this, this must be a foreign government. A yeah, foreign but- government gave me the headache. And this is from MSNBC. I'm not saying these things don't exist. For all I know, they do. But it, it seems strange that they're compiling these extremely generic list of symptoms and are saying... These are the results of a microwave attack. From all over the world, too. Well, they started all over the world. Now they're happening in the United States. Oh, no. Our security personnel, counselor, whatever his name is, got a headache. It's the Chinese coming with their microwaves. I shouldn't have bought that microwave from Wish. That was the mistake. As the Times reported, the government initially asserted that 60 U.S. employees and their dependents were among those attacked. But now, thanks to journalistic efforts... We know that as many as 130 Americans, including the two-year-old child of a military officer assigned abroad, have experienced symptoms. And again, those symptoms are like headache and memory loss. And how do you ask a two-year-old child, did you forget your bottle? I mean, that's... Do you have a headache, two-year-old? What's a headache? Okay, I'm putting you down. You got hit with the microwave gun. (laughs) 
The new numbers reflect the addition of cases coming from Europe and Asia not previously shared with the public. CIA officers assigned to foreign posts are among those who required treatment at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and other facilities. CIA employees appear to have been hit the hardest by the attacks, but representatives of the Department of State, Department of Defense, and other agencies are among the targeted. Could it not just be some of the equipment that they have that's malfunctioning or something's going wrong? Or isn't there stuff around them that's going to emit that stuff anyway? Almost certainly, yeah. But... but no, I mean, it's, it's, it's clearly it's, a microwave. It's China and the microwave gun. It's, it's clearly a microwave gun. Yeah. I mean, they've laid out their case here. I think it's iron tight. I think you're right. The Chinese have developed a microwave gun that they're using to give us headaches. <laughs> to give two-year-olds headaches. <laughs> Will someone please think of the children? Stop the <laughs> microwave guns. Stop it before it, it, it gives you a nosebleed. 603-283-6160. What are your thoughts on this? It sounds kooky, but it's honestly, it's from MSNBC. This is Free Talk Live. The Terran Federation and the Terran League have been killing each other for decades. Sheltered, wealthy, and light years from the threat, the members of the 500 have no interest in changing that. When Rear Admiral Terrence Murphy is given governorship of a backwater system, a risk-free path to wealth and power is his for the taking. But Murphy is a man of honor, duty, and responsibility. He intends to stop the killing, whatever the cost. Governor by David Weber and Richard Fox from BainBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. You're more than welcome to call in and talk about whatever's on your mind, like this Chinese microwave energy gun i actually looked ahead a bit and they're not blaming the chinese they're blaming the russians who despite all of their faults just don't have the technological or the economic um, circumstances to actually pose any meaningful threat to the united states or its personnel so I, i don't know why they're blaming russia but that's what the democrats have always blamed so that's who they're blaming for this I don't know. I, I tend to think that if something like this was happening, it would it would be more likely to be Chinese agents. But I don't know anything about it. I don't even believe this is... I'm not sure I'm convinced that this is actually happening. They haven't given enough um, examples of actual cases. Well, I haven't. The author themselves actually did. A lot of the things I've been talking about have been hyperlinked, but that requires clicking them and then reading those for pertinent, relevant information and going, okay, well, here's this case here. And it's really hard to do that while talking and being live, considering I had never read this before. I just saw the headline went, ooh, that sounds fascinating. Let's talk about that on national radio. Speaking of which, we got someone who's going to change the subject because that's what we do here on Free Talk Live. We open up the lines for you to call and talk on national radio about whatever matters to you. If you think that's important, you might consider joining the AMP program. You can find it at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote because donations to the AMP program are used strictly to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. If someone needs a cup of coffee here on the show or something like that, it doesn't pay for that. It's just to advertise, market, and promote the show. So check it out. Derek, thank you so much. He's a gold-level amplifier. That means he chooses to give $10 per month to the AMP program. We don't ask that. 
All we ask is $5 per month, and you get a number of cool little benefits. But if you join, it should be because you value the ideas of liberty and Free Talk Live. Let's go to the phones. We've got David calling from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Speaking of witch, I haven't practiced witchcraft in years. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, thanks. Thanks for the call tonight, David. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I, I do actually want to. No, no, I was joking. Do you sacrifice your goats? Uh, go ahead, David. Right. I'll have to borrow somebody else's goat. I'd, somebody, somebody, somebody got my goat, and I don't have one anymore. So, did the car uh, thief steal your goat? Uh, no, they missed the goat. They got the car, but they missed the goat. But but I do have a bunny rabbit. And it, a, it would have been a better story if they had stolen the goat. <laughs> like some people yeah, broke into my it, house it and been. stole it my goat. I, but I am feeding corn chips to uh, to uh, rabbits and uh, Mexican ground squirrels at the moment. That's awesome. Are you going to eat them? Yeah. No, hell no. No, they're my they're my friends. We don't eat our friends. Perfect. I I, I suspect there was some sarcasm in that, but if not, good. Well, no, I'm not going to. No, these are these are my pets. They're wild, but they they come in the house every day. I'm literally feeding them corn chips while I'm eating my own dinner. Wow, they're, that they're is awesome, David. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's fun to have wild friends. Yes, it is. <laughs> Speaking wild, of, are you coming up to Fork Fest June the 28th through July the 4th? Kidding. Well, well, I'm not, but everybody else is. You're going to miss out on a good time with all of our friends. I am. I yeah. am. So oh, what did you call it about Oliver? Um, I was calling about the follow-up on uh, Scott's conversation with you. And one of the things... David, I didn't know you listened that, to the show. I used to I used to listen to like every minute of it for three hours. Now I listen to about half of it. Cool. I didn't know you listened to any of it. That's news to me. Hmm. So, Scott the Bigot. He, yeah, so you were talking... One one aspect you were talking about, uh, you know, in, in upsetting the setup, you were talking about the uh, military uh, members of the military uh, refusing, which is uh, one of the things that I advocate. And I actually, when I when I run into government employees, including like cops, I, I have a conversation with them about how to uh, upset the set, setup from even from within, without without even quitting their job how to derail the system. And a lot of them are receptive to it. Many of them are already doing it uh, to one degree or another. And, uh, but uh, that, that's one of the things I allege we need to do is, um, uh, two, well, two things. One, if, if the powers that be, and I, I guess I got to go back one step, otherwise it's not understandable. The government that we have right now is not the legitimate government. And I, I know that you, as, as a group, you know, are down on our government. So am I. But one thing that eases that a little bit, that eases the sour a little bit, is that the people in our government now are not our legitimate government. And like I've said to Ian a number of times, if you actually had the government that was intended, and we don't want that either, but uh, as compared to the one we have, the one that was intended is a lot less hard to deal with than what we have now. How could I legitimately... How could I legitimately be controlled by somebody who was alive 250 years ago? Well, you wouldn't. You you wouldn't be controlled by them. They, without they agreeing, were much more li- I've never agreed Pardon? to it. Without me, without me just agreeing to live like that because I've never agreed to this. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't addressing that question. All I'm saying is that if somehow, if we snapped our fingers and, and, uh, and put witchcraft into it and got that government back, you probably would be a lot less upset with that government than you are with the current one. I'll give but you like, that point, what I'm because that government current... wouldn't have kicked in my door and arrested me. That, that's right. I doubt they would Well, then I again, they, they, they probably would have. I mean, George Washington did start the, the, the war over the uh, Whiskey Rebellion, this, one of the earliest things he did in office. Yeah, but George Washington attacked civilians, so I yeah. don't really think that I would like him any more than I like any other government. Well, they were far, they were far, far, far less oppressive than what we have now. For instance, what, what was the overall... Not if you were one of the people think? he killed. Pardon? Not if you were one of the people he killed. It wasn't I'm not, any I'm not less... saying he was an angel. I'm comparing him to what you have now. And, and, I was, and one, for instance, is what, what percent of total wealth do you think they paid in taxes back then as compared to now? Well, it was before 1933, so a lot less. But why would I need to give away any of my money that I earned for myself and let some other group of people pay for it or manage it for me ever? I'll give you the hypothetical, David. The government that existed in 1778 would be a better, a less objectionable government than the one we have now. Right. Yeah, and yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that's a less objectionable, and and also, but what I'm trying to add in is that the people that are the powers that be are actually illegitimate. They manage to weasel their way in and call themselves the government when they're not actually even legitimate. They've just used trickery over all of these uh, years, decades, centuries in order to convince you that they are legitimate, and they are not. Well, they're not legitimate in my eyes because I never consented to be governed by them. Right. That's but what I was saying earlier. Also... Like, none of this is legitimate. It's not legitimate to be controlled by other people you've never met. Right. But we're talking about de- degrees. You know, you, it, they may have been in 1776 or whatever, they may have been illegitimate in your eyes and controlling you in ways that they're, they're not allowed to in your eyes, but it was far less oppressive than it is now. We agree on that, right? Correct. Sure, I just don't know what relevance yeah. that has to anything. Well, it has lots of relevance because the, the great oppression that you have now that is far more than what, you, what we had then or our ancestors had then comes by way of people that are not our legitimate government. They have deceived you into making you and made you believe that they are, but they're not. They have Starting when? Their way in. Pardon? Starting when? It's, it's, a con- it's, a, it's a constant thing based on human nature. It start, you know, if you fight a revolution and have complete freedom, moment one after you've won that battle, uh, the, the powers that be set in trying to control you and take from you all over again. The, the fight never ends. Yes, that's literally what happened in 1776. As we were just talking about, George Washington physically got on a horse and led an attack on some, some whiskey brewers or whatever who didn't want to pay a 3% whiskey tax. I mean, it began immediately after the successful revolution. So I, I don't know exactly what you were trying to get at, David, other than getting us to agree that, sure, less oppression is a little bit better than a lot of oppression. But that's kind of a given, and that doesn't make any amount of oppression acceptable. It's Free Talk Live. She Talk Live, in fact, 
Hopefully, next week, we'll be doing this from my place because Ian will be out, which will mean that I won't be allowed to Did you get a banner yet? Not yet. Uh, No, I I got the font last night or the night before. Um, Bonnie showed me how to find it, and I've already forgotten. So that's where I'm at on moving forward with that. But to be fair... Some craziness happened, um, I think it was Monday night during the show, and then I spent most of Tuesday during the day, like six hours, trying to fix it before we ultimately just abandoned it, because it's it's a monumental screw-up on the part of one party in particular, and I did what I could, but there's nothing to be done. Can you describe the craziness, or probably not? Not not really, okay. uh, not in a way that would do it justice for sure. So, I mean, it was just, it was just a giant screw up that I tried to fix, but it, it actually cannot be fixed. Ooh. So, abandoned that project and then I came here to do the show. Then I went home and had to wake up for work at nine o'clock this morning. So, I didn't, I haven't worked on anything that I needed to be working on. So, that's, plus Monday night, you know, Monday night with, the, the craziness that was caused by this particular party was so crazy that I honestly forgot until I had been home for about three in the mor- for about three hours that someone had come by and shot two of the vehicles in front of the studio with paintball guns. That's how wow. crazy Monday night was for me that I just forgot that it happened until I was doing something. I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that did happen, didn't it? <laughs> It wasn't a targeted attack on the studio, though. Um, apparently, they did this in another neighborhood, and their ring cameras, their Amazon ring cameras, which I don't know why anyone would want that, but some people do, apparently. And all sorts of ADT security cameras caught the vehicles and the perpetrators and the license plate. That's why it hasn't been ongoing. I would imagine they said, hey, come clean this up and stop doing it, or we're giving this stuff to the police. But someone was going around keen, some stupid teenager, presumably with a paintball gun or some college idiot about to graduate, shooting cars randomly with paintball guns that, you know, you can take a dry paper towel and wipe it right off. So could have been worse, I guess. It's just very stupid. When I was driving home from work only like 10 minutes before, I saw like a bunch of old people with their arms crossed and the cops standing there with their arms crossed just up the street. So I think that they did it up the street, too. Like, I, I saw the cop car there. There's a car wash not far from here, by the way, mm-hmm. if you ever decide to get that egg residue <laughs> off your car. <laughs> I just never feel that, like going. My dog would lose his mind, and I have my dog with me literally 24-7. Because If I you went to the work. car wash, you would? Yeah, he would be like, what's happening to Earth? <laughs> you should record it. That would mm-hmm. be great. That would be so mean. So before we got into uh, David's weirdness about the illegitimacy of the American government, which no one here really disputes, I don't care whether or not they're legitimate according to their own rules and their own standards and all of that, because I never agreed to their own rules and their own standards in the first place. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is what makes me illegitimate. But as far as I can tell, they got the votes from the people within their system that allow them to justify their rulership over the people who choose to be part of that system. I've never chosen to be part of that system. And before people go off with the whole, oh, well, why don't you just move to Somalia then? Well, there's no there's no square foot on this planet that isn't claimed by one state or another, except Antarctica. 
which you're forbidden from setting up your own little free nation there in the first place by the United Nations. And I imagine if you try to do that, you would run into some very powerful militaries very quickly that would say, hey, yeah, we also said you can't be here. So you're, again, still under the jurisdiction of a state. That's there- because that's because Atlantis is supposedly there. Who, who says that? I don't know, the internet. Oh. <laughs> But yes, every every parcel of land on this planet is under the jurisdiction of one state or another or a coalition of states working together. There is nowhere you can go to be free of the state apparatus, beyond which the state apparatus here in the United States. I've been here longer. If we want to if we want to play that card of this is the government because you were born here and this was the government. OK, but the U.S. government was born here when my great, 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 whatever grandfather came here from England in 1620, predating the U.S. government by more than a century and a half. They're the ones who should leave, Mm -hmm. not me. But before we got into all of that, we were talking about these uh, microwave guns that give people headaches, it would seem. Now, the author here actually did link to a few other news items. I'm not sure where they go, though, so I've been sort of hesitant to click them, even... I know it's stupid. It's very stupid, but I prefer to err on the side of caution. I have no desire to be in jail. But a May 6 op-ed in the Washington Examiner lays out what may be the strongest case yet, that these attacks may have started much earlier than 2016 and that the most likely suspect is Russia. That piece details the accounts of retired National Security Agency officer Mike Beck and his colleague Charles Gubate believed to have been the targets of Russian radio frequency attacks while traveling in a hostile country in 1996. Both of them suffered from early-onset Parkinson's disease, and Gubate died in 2013. So they got early-onset Parkinson's disease and said, oh yes, we must have been hit with Russian radio frequency attacks back in the 90s. Wouldn't it make more sense that in the 90s he was like having symptoms of something that eventually led him to have early onset Parkinson's? Most likely, but according to him, that's something they were doing was being hit with Russian radio frequencies. Did he start talking about that after the Parkinson's started? I don't know, and the article (laughs) isn't that clear. According to the examiner, Kemp Inser, who was then the NSA's director of counterintelligence, told other NSA officials in 2016 of evidence that they were targeted by a microwave frequency weapon. The CIA, the Pentagon, and the State Department all have teams assessing the scope of these attacks and who is behind them. Yet there appears to be no centralized task force across agencies that shares intelligence and answers to one senior leader. That Because that would be horrifying. I don't want the CIA, the Pentagon, and the State Department to join together on a task force. Last time they did, it led to a raid on the Free Talk Live studio. But it wasn't the CIA or the Pentagon, but you know what I mean. As described in the in a New York Times report, the Biden administration is trying to strike a careful balance between showing officials that they are taking the issue seriously and trying to keep panic from spreading either inside the government or among the public. On April the 2019th, Joe Biden's new director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, briefed Congress on the attacks, but she was light on details. It's long past time for the Director of National Intelligence to take the lead and establish a multi-agency task force under her command to identify the full scope 
of targeted microwave frequency attacks. Now, I did link, I did click some of these links because it's MSNBC and most news articles usually just link back to news articles from themselves. And sure enough, that's the case here with at least the one I clicked. And it's like that over and over. It's just, this is a person who did a thing and 15 years later, they had headaches. Now, they say that the head of the counterintelligence agency for the NSA presented some sort of evidence to someone showing that, but that's not reaching us. All I'm hearing is this person had early onset Parkinson's and was a former CIA agent and decided this was a Russian microwave gun that did it to him. To me, it sounds more likely that because I've heard of microwave guns, microwave gun attacks in the context of like being used against American citizens by the American government in all kinds of conspiracy um, circles in the past. To me, it sounds more like they're trying to cover those stories up by putting out these stupid Russia attacking people stories with microwaves that they can't even prove that anything about it. But it sounds like they're covering their own tracks to me because it microwave attack um stories were always like when i used to hear about them and we got to remember things like mk ultra and all of that sort of stuff where if the u.s government was going to reinvent a microwave gun or microwave weapon whatever you want to call it the first test subjects would unwittingly be the american people mm-hmm. or cia agents they'll get you to sign off off on it when you signed up for your iCloud account or something <laughs> or or they would do like they did in mk ultra and just you know kidnap prostitutes off the streets or whatever and subject them to horrific experiments. Let's let's see what happens. And that may sound crazy to say, but the CIA did this. And admitted it. Back in the 50s, and they've admitted it. So it's not surprising to me that, you know, they might do something like this. The the energy gun, the energy ray, the death ray, as they call it, that the U.S. government is known to have that heats the surface of your skin to uncomfortably warm temperatures is non-lethal, but it'll make you drop whatever you're holding to get out of its way. I'm sure that was first tested on U.S. soldiers or CIA agents or whoever, probably not having any idea what they were about to be subjected to. It's a mess out there, and the American people and the people in the employ of the American government seem to be the American government's test subjects over and over throughout history. Thanks for listening. We're online in the meantime. Check us out, freetalklive.com. On March 16th of this year, a joint government task force raided the New Hampshire Bitcoin Embassy, the Mighty Moose Mart, the homes of Aria Demezzo, Andy and Renee Spinella, Colleen Fordham, a grandmother, and perhaps most relevant, the studios of Free Talk Live. The Crypto Six were arrested, most were released, but Rich Paul, also known as Nobody, and Ian Freeman both remain in custody. We've been in contact with attorneys that say no crime even appears to have been committed, but that didn't stop the Joint Thug Task Force from ripping out wires from the back of our broadcast stacks, taking Free Talk Live off the air, violating our and your First Amendment rights. You can go to thecrypto6.com and donate to fight against these charges. But as importantly, contact media and tell them about this outrage. This case is likely to set precedent for the use of cryptocurrency well into the future. Help our fight for liberty and financial freedom at thecrypto6.com.